to Club 400 Radio. This is our first live show. I am here with my co-host, Stuart McVicker. We are live at Club 400. Can I hear you guys out there? Wow. So I'm a little bit nervous about this, but yeah, it'll exactly. be good. So, so, Stu, we got some big guests tonight. Oh, we do. This Very is important people. Yes, we do. And uh, I'm really happy to have these. I got to say that we've had a lot, because I, you know, I was born in uh, 73 when I fell in love. So it was because of the 1984 Chicago Cubs. And that's why I'm a Cubs fan here today. So We have two 84 Cubs, the set, uh, both outfielders for them, obviously. And uh, I can tell you this one thing. I'm going to start with... Our first guest we've had here two times. Two times. Two times. Two timer. Yeah, two timer here today. That's right. We should have a jacket for him or something. Well, we're gonna have to get him a jacket. All right. And uh, I guarantee you, this won't be his last time. Uh, he's a, he's a friend of mine and my brother's, and uh, I love him like a brother. He was the 1984 Gold Glove winner. He was the spark of your Chicago Cubs. Let's get up for the dear Bobby Denier. All right. Bobby. Thank you, Sue. Two times, two times. Two, two times. So I'm not going to lie. I'm going to try to get Bobby out here every single year. Can I bring my wife? You can bring your wife. Yeah. She says hello from New Hampshire. <laughs> <laughs> he was here last year. You were here. Bobby, wait, Bobby Dernier and Joey Davis last year, unbelievable. They think they left at two in the morning. Both kegs were dry and the alcohol was out. What? Was awesome. <laughs> Thank goodness they've since been refilled. That's good. Yeah, but I, yeah, Bobby's one of those guys where you meet him and you just can't help but love him. And uh, I'm so glad he came out again tonight, Bobby. He was at a, on a golf course today. He'll be on a golf course tomorrow. <laughs> And you'll be on a golf course Monday. So yeah, we've had a lot of 84 Cubs out. And um, one of the things I've always heard was there was one leader on that team. And I'm somebody who was in charge. Somebody in charge, yeah. And uh, I've always wanted him out here. I've met him many times at the Cubs convention. And the funny thing, I'm not trying to date you, but in 1973, I was born, and you were the Rookie of the Year. <laughs> he was the spark plug. He was the voice. He was the leader of your Chicago Cubs. Let's give it up for the Sarge. The Sarge is in charge here at Club 100, Gary Matthews. <laughs> We also have a, yes you are, we also have a third guest that is with us here, who is also part of the 84 Cubs team, behind the scenes, but he's got all the stories, all the knowledge. No, no, no. Not all, he's got some of the stories and some of the knowledge. Our guy, Bob Ibag. Bob! So yeah, my, my first question is, as I don't know if you, a lot of you guys know this, but you guys were traded to get at a package deal to the Chicago Cubs. So let's go back to that day and talk about when you guys found out the news, when you guys, you know, figured out you're going together to Chicago. And does that bother you guys for life? Or is, I mean, is the, 
And what do you guys think? Because the Phillies were a really good team in 83. What were you, you guys went to what, the playoffs? World Series. Whoa, yeah. World Series. And then. Sarge MVP, the National League Championship Series. So you got traded to come through. Were you mad or are you upset or are you like, oh, we're going to Chicago? Well, personally, personally for me, I was really upset because uh, I used to always hit against the Cubs. <laughs> I was looking at, uh, on the serious side, all the hits that I was actually losing. And great for Bobby D because at that time there, uh, he was ticketed to go to the minor leagues and end up winning a gold glove. So it kind of almost resurrected uh, his career. Um, Dallas Green did great. Uh, for both of us, uh, probably would have brought a world championship here uh, if things hadn't happened. Uh, my good friend John Bukovic, who was <laughs> ticketed as a manager when they fired Dallas, they fired uh, uh, John too. You know, John Bukovic, uh, I don't know if you guys remember him, he, he's always had some kind of what bad things happened to him. A lot of people don't realize in the minor leagues, John Vukovic was actually um, uh, the third baseman on the AAA team. Mike Schmidt was the second baseman. So that showed you what they thought of John Vukovic. But as the years uh, went on, when they started throwing that curveball, John had a difficult time and hitting the ball. So what he did, he started coaching. And um, Dallas kind of really took him under uh, his wing uh, and so on. Uh, I can remember a game with John Vukovic that in Cincinnati, uh, he was the eighth hitter. And uh, sure enough, we are hitting around, scoring runs, bases loaded. They pinch hit for John Vukovic, the first at bat. And I'll just never, ever uh, uh, forget that. But John was a baseball man. He's died since of uh, cancer. But um, um, he was a tremendous, tremendous um, coach for the Chicago Cubs. And in uh, 84, uh, I got to tell you, as much batting practice as that guy uh, threw, he deserves a lot, a lot of credit. And I know a lot of you may not have uh, known him, but man, what a year there. Yeah, we've lost uh, all our coaches, as a matter of fact, recently. Billy, Billy Connors has passed away. We've lost all. Johnny Oates had a cancer, uh, brain cancer as well. Uh, of course, Don Zimmer, Ruben Amaro, not too long ago. All these guys, kind of, there was a Philly connection sort of there with those guys. Uh, but we still got Jim Fry around, right? He's doing good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I, like, eight, oh, they're not old then. <laughs> no, the manager's alive. Yeah, the manager's alive, but the coaches, yeah. So, like, the, the whole thing about the 84 team was, I think that was the team that brought the Cubs back into the spotlight. Um, you know, the 70s were bad for the Cubs. You guys come to Chicago. Obviously, the trade was Sutcliffe and everything like that, but... You guys brought the Cubs back on the map as far as, and it helped with Harry Carey obviously come along at the same time a year before or whatever, but you guys pretty much transformed the Cubs into what they are today. That was the, you guys were the spark plug, spark plug of the uh, 
you know, bringing the Cubs back to life. And that year was just completely magical. And I'd like if you guys to tell us about how magical it was for you guys. Well, first of all, Harry never had one base hit, one game when he hit. <laughs> Let me just say that. Um, the season was very, very uh, bittersweet, personally for me. I still stand by saying that Steve Trout deserved to have pitched in San Diego. I uh, stand by that. I said it when it first happened. You know, and there's other people that have vacillated back and forth. But then, why did we start Sutcliffe number one and then Steve number two? So, uh, I think, again, personally, that we were kind of counting our chickens before the eggs uh, hatched. In other words, uh, having our starting rotation set up and not knowing that we were going to get to uh, the World Series. Uh, if they had to do it all over again, and I asked Dallas that even before uh, he died, what was the reason why they did not pitch Steve Trout uh, in that series? And Dallas said if he had to do it all over again, he would have picked Steve. A lot of people don't realize that Steve probably had more to lose than anyone on our team, simply because his dad in that 45 series pitched for Detroit, dizzy. So Steve wanted to get back there, and I think that he deserved it in the year that he had. He deserved it. But I stand by again that we won as a team and we lost as a team. So. Not one individual made us lose, whether or not it was the bad hop single to a Sandberg or the ball underneath uh, uh, Ryan uh, or, or Durham of uh, uh, legs there, or Bobby D running into me in left field, where didn't happen. I find out <laughs> that they told him to go catch everything. But the fact is, I mean, you know, we uh, had a great, great year that year in 84, and you're right. Uh, we resurrected the Cubs uh, um, fan base. And if you look at that year, it's been very difficult to get a season ticket or a ticket after that 84 year. So we will take credit with that, and even though we did close it at the end. Yeah, and, and you know, a lot of the memories we have I think of that year had a lot to do with you guys because we literally watched the rooftops start. You know, they weren't really camping out up there, right? And all of a sudden we're looking up, now we're getting pretty deep in the year, and there's lawn chairs, and there's a party or whatever, the people are up there. So we, and of course, the, you guys were in there during batting practice, that wasn't always going on before. And uh, whether it was behind the plate or in the bleachers, you name it, it was it was a packed house once we were threatening to win every day and i can tell you that motivated us we were on wgn and we got a full house and we got guys who like to sweat so it was on and and yeah we were a home field advantage my only regret or my only kind of pisses me off is that we didn't we had earned home field and we weren't given home field advantage. 
So, and I understand, you know, the television money, all, all that. But we wanted to play in Chicago with you guys. I don't care if we played under Lake of the Hills. Okay? It didn't matter. We want 40000 a year. So that's the only thing that kind of still gets in my Let me comment on that for me. Um, in a uh, series where you're putting the best out of uh, five, I will take two games up any day of the week with the club that we had. There was nothing more that went on than like my Ron, uh, good friend Ron uh, Santo would say when I was teasing him about choking in 69. And uh, he said, well, what'd you guys do in 84? I said, we had the same state that you had where we did not win. But again, I will take two games to win one with the pitching staff that we have, again, any day of the week. So I don't feel that it was a personally, I mean, disservice that we weren't in Chicago. We did what we needed to do. We won two. We're up two. We did one game, and we have two guys for me that should have pitched to be able to win one game and then get into uh, the world's uh, the World Series. Obviously, not playing at night and this and that. Uh, I dispel it only because we were up two. If we were one and one, and then lost, I would agree with what Bobby said. But because we were up two, only needed one. I, I, I'll take those odds all day long. I, I like your odds, but I'll, I'll riddle me this. You tell me before the year I got to win more than everybody else in the league, and I get home field advantage, and then at the end of the year you take it back. If I have two and oh, if I'm two and oh, you can have it. If I'm two and oh, and you, I need one game with Sutcliffe going to pitch and Steve Trout. I'll I'll go to the banquet. We don't agree on everything. His cologne's completely different. <laughs> Bobby D. All right, guys. In the history of baseball, there's been a lot of great nicknames. And tonight we have the Sarge and Deer here. Tell us how you got your nicknames. Um, for me, it was with uh, Pete Rose. Pete Rose gave me the nickname the Sarge. And at the time, he said, when a future Hall of Famer gives you a nickname, he said it sticks. Well, he got one part right. <laughs> I was there when that happened in Philly, but I think mine, I think the initial came from uh, Moreland. He liked to shoot deer in the off season, you know, part of my family. And I think he recognized, he said, well, I got everything from where I'm standing to the right field line. Good luck with the rest of that other stuff. So that's why he dropped the deer on the, the big pasture, I think. Sarge, you were telling me on the phone, uh, you know, while we were trying to set this up about how you wanted to give back to the bleacher bums. You had an idea of what you want. The beer? You wanted to buy everybody in the bleachers a beer, is that right? No, go ahead. I want to hear you tell about that story. Just a good story. I like this story. Let me tell them now that you know who's the president of the, the Blackhawks at the time. Um, I wanted to do something for the uh, left fielder bleacher bum, so 
I thought it'd be great to just give them beer for seven innings. <laughs> John McDonough said we can't do that, and um, he came up with the idea of uh, the painter's cap and then had the little sarge stripes. And when I do autographs to this day, even in Philadelphia, uh, obviously uh, uh, here, uh, they bring those painter's caps out. I've seen them. I can't believe anyone still has those from 1984, to be quite uh, honest. And uh, no, I don't like to paint and paint nothing. <laughs> Dude, I think, I think there's a classic story that Sarge wanted to buy everybody a beer in the bleachers. That was, that's unbelievable. I mean, the, and you went to management and you tried to do it. I think it's... This tells you tells you what kind of person you are. I think it's awesome. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Hey, he had his head in those bleachers, too, I guarantee you. <laughs> tell us about, I want you to tell you, because you, obviously, Bob, you played center, and you played left, Gary. Uh, tell us about the, you know, the, the, the emotional connection you had with the fans, because the fans are part, part of you guys, and you, I, know, I know that uh, back then it was a little different. We talk about it on prior shows that, there's a lot more connection with the fans than there is today, and you know, would it, would it be un, unusual for you guys to walk out of the game and go to a bar and have beer with the fans? So it was pretty cool back then. You guys used to really get to know the fans and hang out with them. Well, I mean, I love the fans quite a bit. I wasn't doing a whole lot of drinking with them, to be quite honest. We, uh, in 84, uh, it was a situation where, again, the no one in the city knew that it was going to happen the way that it did. I will say this, that there weren't a lot of restaurants at all that any of us had to pay for uh, any of the meals. And it was more so uh, gratitude. Because again, when the Cubs are doing well, just about everybody in the city is doing uh, uh, well. Cab drivers, restaurants, uh, uh, etc. So, take it. Yeah, well, also, Gary, you know, does and did like to drink. And what did I tell you about that? But he wasn't... You don't make me part of your stick. He, he you was, have your own story to tell about... He was generous, drink. though. And even if I'm drinking, why do you want to tell that out to people? I don't know. Seriously? Hey, is he blushing? No. Hey, well, yeah. What, what happens at Club Forest is a Club Forest. So... I mean, literally... Don't he was innovative, some, though. He don't was you innovative. have some stories? Stop, stop. Yeah, he, he, here's what he did. Tell us about all those balls you were popping up in the cage here, and I ran your ass out of it. <laughs> These guys couldn't count, him or Sandberg, either one. Eight swings. You know, he's taking nine, ten swings. Okay? So untrue, but go ahead. Anyway. So he was innovative. He, he said, look, you're coming with me. Where are we going? Shenanigans. Anybody know what that was? Okay, it's all it's way back machine. Now how would he know we're sh shenanigans, right? Oh, it's a bar. Okay. Now we're not only going to go over there and have a drink or two, we're going to get paid to go to the bar. Okay, so credit where credit's due. I know you're okay with that. So anyway. Uh, I got a story. <laughs> I, I've been dying to tell the story. First of all, it was PJ Clark's and not shenanigans. 
but we did get uh, we did get paid. Signed a few autographs, and you know, he was a he was a marketer on uh, on that. But uh, tell that, no, no, tell that story. I got about a story. Your, no, let me tell this right here. Oh, he was talking about Sam Bird and I. Uh, we can't count. So this is simple. I mean. We're following the leadoff hitter. Bobby D is leading off. So he gets into the cage, right? And um, after about three or four swings, Sandberg said, hey, Sarge, check out Bobby here in the cage. So I look at him. He's popping every damn ball up in the, in the screen. Bam! Yeah, bam! So finally, I mean, He's taking like about 12 swings. We're only supposed to have eight. So I said, hey, Bobby D. I said, uh, how many swings are you taking in there? He says, I got a brand new bag. <laughs> Let me tell you, this is on tape. He says, I got, he knows that. That's why he's like, he says, I got a brand new bag. I forgot, I forgot about that. Oh, no, no, I haven't. <laughs> I said, well, what does that have to do with it? He says, well, do you want me to take a few swings off the next round? I said, well, no, you don't have to do that, but we're going to follow. If you take 12, we're going to take 12. Hey, they were better hitters than me. I needed more swings than that. <laughs> but the fact is, again, he's leading off. It's going to be a long day for us if Bob Benier is popping the damn ball up in the cage, <laughs> even though he hit a home run, the first playoff game, or the half the first game, okay? We'll give him a little credit for that. But it had nothing to do a brand new bat? Really? He's gonna take extra swings? Oh my gosh. Listen, oh, these I, guys... I risk, I really wish Sandberg was sitting right here. Oh, please. Okay? I really do. Oh, we would have a great time. No, we would. And Rhino couldn't count, okay? He wasn't counting my swings. He was worried about his own stuff. Jim, Jim Fry taught him how to hit, you know. Okay, ask him. Negative. No, ask him. So, wasn't you? It wasn't Jim Fry. <laughs> okay, I so. I guarantee you that. Here's the, here's the Shinola I had to bring with me on that airplane with him from Florida to Phoenix. Philly to Chicago, right? And he's like, well, we're not playing this lovable loser bullshit. I'm like, okay, Sarge, you know. Huh? That's what he said. It's a quote. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. And that pretty much set the tone for the 84 season. Right. You know? so you're in that clubhouse, Sarge, and I, what I hear is you brought a whole new attitude to that team. Well, I think it was collectively. I mean, yeah. you got to look at the way, I mean, Sutcliffe pitch, and believe it or not, I thought Eckersley was our best pitcher. We just didn't score any runs uh, for him. Steve Trout had a, uh, a great year. Um, Larry Ball was steady there at uh, shortstop. Lee Smith closing. I mean, we really collectively just had, personally for me, one of the most memorable seasons in terms of having fun that, uh, you know, I never played. So it, it, was, it was awesome. You know, and then the next year, People don't realize 
we're winning the, the division by six, seven games. Whole pitching staff went down that year in 85. And that's when uh, those terrible New York, New York Mets fans started to take over in for a couple of years. Well, I appreciate you guys coming on Club 400 Radio. Let's give it for Bob Dernier and Jerry Nathan. And that, of course, was Bob Dernier and Gary Matthews, the Sarge, live from Club 400. We're going to end the show with our buddy Danny Rocket, one of his hit songs called Lester Day. Lester Day. The World Series seems so far away. Now I can't wait for opening day. 2015 starts last a day. Suddenly, the Cubs have an ace who's a lefty. Can't wait to watch him pitch at Wrigley. John Lester is a cubby. Thank you to Theo, cause you got John Lester paid. We'll remember you when the Cubs go all the way. Lester Day. We told them LB we We stole Joe Madden from the race And last year we ripped off the A's Cubs are spending Dome Montero behind the plate It's been six long years since the playoffs in The Cubs could be in a pennant race The damn Cardinals in second place Oh, I believe in Lester Day Lester Day How are you going to celebrate tonight? Uh, oh. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I probably have a Jägermeister. <laughs> All right, Dorothy. Thank you very much. Enjoy it. This is the end. Beautiful friend. This is the end. 